Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Hey, man, going pretty well. I... I'm feeling good. I was in, like, a little bit of a slump yesterday. Just, I felt like I was simply existing. <laughs> do you ever do have those days where you just... You're like, I, I'm just making it to the next breath. I do. Yeah, and yesterday, honestly, was probably one of them for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, just didn't do anything. It was just kind of bad. I don't know. I, it wasn't necessarily, like, a mental... Like, I wasn't in a bad mental headspace, but I was just, like... Not really motivated to do anything. Like, it's just one of those days, you know, where I was like, oh, you know, I should probably clean this up. Nah. I feel that. I should probably do this administrative thing, send this email. Nah. <laughs> well, you know, even leisure stuff. I was really just like not even doing leisure fun stuff. So it was weird. I, I feel it, man. I was in the same boat yesterday. I also, I got really bodied coming back from Columbus and you know mm. my flights were canceled for a whole you obviously know this but for the listeners my flights were canceled so i had to stay in columbus an extra night and then i missed a whole day of work and then i come back and i just have like 300 emails and a million things to do and five days of work now and four day a week and it was super stressful <laughs> and i just couldn't even think about doing it all um so i just didn't do it all yesterday yeah. Yeah. um and it's going to continue to bite me over the course of the week. It's going to, like, compound on itself. But, um, yeah, I feel it, man. It's just one of those days. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I am making some pretty good headway at work. But just, like, after I got off work, I was, like, in yeah, just a Once trance, I got home, man. I straight up just, like, went to bed. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> well, hey, the good news is, is that, you know, you, you took that one day off because you had to stay in Columbus because you got bodied by the airline. But... Most of us will have 4th of July off, and you can just work that day. <laughs> to catch up. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun for sure. I'm not above doing that, but I, think, right. I, I think I still will not do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out as, as we go. You know, take it one step at a time. There you go. If I catch up like a little bit every day, then eventually it'll be gone. If you put 20% more effort in every day, then... By the end of the week, you will have covered what you had lost. Right. So that so instead, I'm going to do maybe like 10% and do two weeks. Got it. That's <laughs> huge brain play. Yeah. I, I could do 1% and do 20 weeks or whatever. 20 weeks? Or twenty or five weeks, I guess. Or four, there you go. four weeks. Yeah, four weeks. It's definitely possible. There's When there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> I do always say that. But, you know... I came back from Columbus because the North American International Championship was this last weekend in Columbus, Ohio, and it was an awesome event to be at. Lots but not of- an awesome event to play, man. It was like it was tough. Yeah, it was it was rough out there. But yeah, it was certainly the production value. If you've never been to um, an international championship, they just go over the top. It really does feel like a special. Um, I don't know. It's like ceremonial in a way, it right? Is. They have yeah. the they have the huge music, the big stage. They have a lot of just different places to take photos. Um, it just feels very epic, and it feels very um, 
just it, like in a like a big event like you want to be there and like you want to you know share it with your friends and stuff it was really really fun and just something that that was my second ever international um so i'm just excited to play in more of them i mean they were really just a, a really fun atmosphere yeah it was it was a ton of fun and I know people rag on Columbus. I actually like Columbus. You know, I also went to school at Ohio State, so I got to see some of my old friends who were still local to the area. Um, it was it was a good time. You know, I, I really appreciate the the spectacle of the the ICs that is not really emulated at the regional level. You know, they just have that like next level of of production to them um, in everything that happens. You know, you even down to the stage is amazing they have like pokemon strobe lights going across the walls um and we got to be right next door to the plexus convention which was so hype you know finally getting my feet on the ground as a as a partner in the plexus experience oh that sounds great man yeah well i was really disappointed because so plexus is a it's like a it's an mlm it's a reverse you know, in funnel. The, in the kind of <laughs> in the vein of like a Mary Kay, right? Or where vector, they yeah. or a vector where you buy a bunch of product and then you're trying to convince other people to buy into that product and it's a pyramid scheme in, in essence. Reverse right? funnel. A reverse funnel. There we go. Um, I was really kind of disappointed that I never got sold to the entire <laughs> time I was there. Yeah. I honestly I was hoping they would try to sell to us in a way. Yeah, I wanted to be a. I wanted that to be a part of my experience for sure. Somebody the, made the tweet. It might have been you, Riley, where we both thought each party, me, like the yeah. Plexus, the Plexus and the uh, TCG players, both thought that the other was the weird one. <laughs> yeah, I interacted with a high amount of the Plexus people over the course of the weekend. Yeah, and they all thought we were like insanely stupid and weird, which is so funny because we also thought that they were insanely stupid and weird. What were some of the? I'm just curious. What were some of the interactions like? Um, well, probably the most um, overt one was uh, we were taking pictures in front of one of the Plexus signs. They had like little uh, props you could take pictures with or whatever. Um, you know, we were clearly like having fun with it. Like clearly we were not sincerely taking pictures <laughs> for Plexus, uh, which is maybe the first mistake was being a little too obvious there. And the, a couple of Plexus ladies just like, they're they're seeing this and they're not happy about it so they're like hey you know if you're gonna be making fun of us you might as well at least buy our stuff (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that's facts you want to sell some and then we didn't unfortunately get an offer but um i also just like i would hear that i would be at the north market like getting lunch and i would be in line i went to like the the smoothie and bubble tea place right so of course that was a hot spot for plexus people (laughs) The demographics is like a circle, the Venn diagram there. Yes, um, yes. Of who would buy the smoothie and who would be into Plexus. Um, and like all the people there were talking about like the goofy little Pokemon tournament and, <laughs> and like how everyone there is just weird. It was just really funny. Um, I'm just like, I was thinking the whole time and I'm really sorry if anyone or anyone's significant other is like very deep into Plexus. This it's just it's a funny thing to us so um but i was just thinking like man you know azul gets 10k for winning like i wonder how many of the plexus sellers have (laughs) made that amount don't look it up man it's not good 
I'd be curious to know. It's not I, good out there for them. I'd be curious to know. <laughs> the probably the single best part though for me of the Plexus experience was they had that like roped off area for like their diamond executive partners and above. And it was just like this little gated community almost where they could watch over the rest of the Plexus. <laughs> the so peons cool. it was so cool uh, um so yeah shout out to plexus i guess but um that was not the only thing that happened this weekend of course like naic was an event in of itself and like you referenced jw azul did take it home with his arceus flying pikachu deck running it back after his top 16 finish at milwaukee and ultimately taking home the dub spreadsheet show that it was the deck to play and they trusted the numbers and ran it back and clearly it worked out super well for them i mean jw what are your thoughts on the arceus flying pikachu deck just diving right in here yeah it's it's good it's a solid deck i mean whenever you pair marnie and path of the peak um you're gonna have i think relatively favorable results right i think that deck is probably the one deck uh in the format that can really um lean into that strategy and come out relatively unscathed. They played the Pumpkaboo, so you can have your Starbirth even if you get a turn one path down. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a strategy that has been played, you know, uh, many, many times before, many formats before, where you're just um, disrupting your opponent on this kind of base level right from the start of the game. And I think it's just, you know, and you're hitting for weakness. Like, it's not really like, I'm not like wowed. I'm not like surprised yeah. necessarily. Sure. Um, you know, there's nothing in there that's like, oh my gosh, I like never would have seen this coming. But yeah, I mean, it was certainly something that uh, that was a good call for the event. Obviously, Palkia is going to be a relatively good matchup. Although it was interesting because I hadn't faced a lightning deck or I faced like one lightning deck, um, maybe two, I guess, if you count the the player who didn't he played Arceus but he like didn't play his lightning attacker down against me but um in Milwaukee I played against you know a lightning deck and then I beat it and then you played against many lightning decks so seven. I was kind of yeah. like going <laughs> yeah right seven I was kind of going based on your results of hey I played against all these lightning decks I beat them all it's not really a big deal for Palkia. I was kind of like, okay, sure. You know, Six Riley says one. it. Six zero one. <laughs> Riley says it, so I, I, I'll believe it. Um, so I wasn't really factoring in that, oh, yeah, Pikachu is going to be a, a major player at this event. But it was kind of funny because I got smoked by a couple of Pikachu. <laughs> That's funny. I have yet to lose to a lightning attacker in a best of three. But I'm just built different, I guess. It's so true. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny because, you know, if you think about Azul's deck, it's almost one of the first, like, natural things you would think of coming into this format. Like, if all you knew was that Palkia was being introduced to the format and it was going to be a good deck, you'd be like, oh, so I'm going to play an Arceus deck that has Crobat for Mew and Pikachu for Palkia. Literally... And then, yeah, and then Path of the Peak for the Mirror, presumably, right? Yeah, and just and hope I get it down. Like, right, exactly. Yeah, like, it's it's funny, because it's like, literally, that was the first concept I actually built into this format, and I was super underwhelmed by it. Now, granted, my list was not nearly as good as Azul's, but I was super underwhelmed by that concept and kind of just dropped it all together. But they stuck the course, and, and I think they found a really solid list, and, you know, ultimately, it's a, it's a powerful deck. I think the main flaw... 
of any Arceus P barrel deck, you or sorry, yeah, a Pikachu or a Crobat aside, when you start to rely on B barrel in your Arceus deck, it just inherently becomes the worst Arceus deck in the mirror, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, the Arceus and Talion decks, in my opinion, and in talking with Caleb, uh, who also played the deck, is that you just don't really function as well in the mirror as these other Arceus decks that can more reliably get their boss's orders the turn they need them, can more reliably hit their one-shots on the Arceus in the front on turn two. Um, they can more reliably chance care. care. I was getting there, bro. Uh, <laughs> and that ultimately just makes the matchup very favorable for the Inteleon decks. Um, now, it's not impossible, of course. Like, you still have Arceus, which is one of the strongest cards ever printed. So you can you can find your way through a lot of matchups just off that alone. Um, but I think that is an interesting element, which is perhaps why we didn't see as many of the flying Pikachu Arceus sort of congregate towards the top in the right. same way that we saw Arceus Inteleon and Palkia congregate towards the top. Because Arceus Inteleon did make a big comeback at this regional. It was a huge force, actually, in, in day two. Something like I don't know. I'm just I'm just scrolling through, not counting, but it looks like a third maybe of the the top 32 is Arceus and Talion in of itself, which yeah. is a really impressive showing from a deck that barely got any attention at Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was certainly the resurgence of Arceus um, after Palkia had you know made its mark in Milwaukee, and it was really interesting. Like you said, I think if the cards fell a little bit different, like there's no real way that Azul should have won the top four match. Um, with a, other with than like unlimited time. Yeah. Unlimited time. And just, you know, it went exactly his way in game one, which was pretty unfortunate because, you know, usually as a stall deck, like if you win that first game, you can usually draw it out long enough um, because there was no way for Azul to go through three mill tank. So as long as, um, you know, as long as Sander could have gotten out his third mill tank, in any game like that that would have just been it right um so it's just kind of a uh interesting top four matchup if you didn't get a chance to watch it azul played it great and obviously had just enough tech cards to take down the mill tank mewtwo v union deck uh with his phoebe being able to attack with the flying pikachu v max into a mill tank and then do it again the next turn with a pal pad but you know, I think this is a de- uh, this is a tournament that I think I don't want to say like like the deck was like lucky to win. That's not what I mean to I, say, but just like you know, right. any deck has to be lucky to win. And I I do feel like the matchup was pretty unfavorable for him in top four. Um, but you know, that's just how it goes. You know, you got to win those kind of bad matchups or maybe coin flip matchups that uh, to to be a champion. So certainly, shout outs to Azul. Great run, great deck. And it'll be something that a lot of people will be testing, I think, going into Worlds. Yeah, so let's let's talk then about some of the other decks that made appearances, especially in the top eight. Um, we actually really didn't see much, too much diversity outside of the top eight, to be honest. There mm-hmm. were a lot of re- repeats. Um, so we had Isaiah Bradner rocking his Palkia deck in second place. And Isaiah actually put up a really impressive fight versus Azul. It honestly, it felt like it came down to if Isaiah's cards just panned out a little bit better in game three, that he could have been the champion instead of Azul. Um, and the maybe the funny thing that you may take away from that is Isaiah switched to the four Arita build after slamming mm-hmm. it 
very publicly on on social media. You know, he's very much a research stan and swapped over to Arita build. It seemed to work very well for him. Um, also rocking a heavy battle VIP pass, which is not always something that you see alongside Arita. You, you might see one, two. Uh, Isaiah rocking the full four, four Crossature, four Arita. I'm going to turbo out my Pokemon and be as consistent as possible. And it took him all the way to his second place finish, as well as some of his friends into the day two. Yeah, it was a really interesting build, not one that I had seen heading into the event. And it was just very much getting those first few turns, right? Getting your Pokemon out on that first turn and then gusting whatever your opponent's trying to set up on your second turn. Um, and so worked out really well for him. Um, it made me really rethink my thoughts on Arita. Obviously, like you said, Isaiah was one of those players that was a big research guy, wasn't playing the Aritas, opted instead to fill those spots with other tech cards, but then realized, hey, this card might just be what Palkia needs in combination with Battle VIP Pass to get those really explosive turn ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with that wholeheartedly. The, the upside to research is if you don't have as an explosive turn one, you can draw into a more explosive second turn than Arita can usually allow for. But on the flip side, like, it's, why don't you just build your deck to explode turn one more often? And that's what the Battle v VIP Vast comes in, right? Yeah, and the other thing about the research that I was thinking about a lot, too, is that we're playing with our deck, which I don't think is bad, or but the one that we played in Milwaukee and also played subsequently uh, with minor tweaks in Columbus was that we had to play, we played research, and then we had to play a bunch of these, like, recovery cards to get back things that we researched. So we were kind of like playing against each other, right? Where the Arita decks could just play all these one of techs and yeah. fish them out whenever they needed them. Uh, as a research-based deck, we were always, okay, I'm gonna be discarding my Roxanne, so I need to make sure I play a Palpad because that card is just super crucial um, against certain matchups. Or I need to make sure that I'm playing an Ordinary Rod because I know I'm gonna discard too many Pokemon early or whatever it is, right? So um, it's just interesting. I think the space in the Arita build it seems kind of weird to say, but maybe is a little more optimally used. Yeah. Because you're not playing all these kind of recovery cards to like save you from bad researches. <laughs> so. No, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the arena seems to be kind of just the premier way to play Palkia. You know, in hindsight, we maybe should have given it a, a more of a shake on our side. But, you know, Arita, or the research build did work well for us, at least in Milwaukee. So can't complain too much about the the end game there um i think arita is ultimately where palkia is, is headed though absolutely now let's talk about the biggest newcomer on the, the dark scene horse, yeah the dark horse the first time i think that i know of that a v union has uh, topped any sort of tournament <laughs> that is online the case, yeah <laughs> you know online in person whatever it may be but Sander Wojcik comes up with another cracked in half <laughs> stall deck featuring Mewtwo V Union. So Riley, walk us through kind of the main cards of the deck and what this whole thing is trying to accomplish. Yeah, so uh, when we talk main cards, the first thing we have to hit on, of course, is Mewtwo V Union. Uh, for the unfamiliar, because these cards have not really had a meta presence, a V Union is a four-piece card, think a Pokemon Legend, of days yonder and if you get them all into the discard pile 
then you can summon the V Union and put them all four onto the bench as one collective card. You can only do that once, and they give up three prizes. So if your Mewtwo V Union gets knocked out, you can't just like immediately revive it. <laughs> it's a one-time deal. Um, all V Union cards have the same first attack for one colorless energy called Union Gain, where they can attach some energies from the discard. I, I'm going to double check. I think it's two. Yep, it's two energies two from the discard yep. onto the Mewtwo. Um, and the premier attack that you're thinking of for the stall strategy is Mewtwo's super generation attack. So Mewtwo has 310 HP. It has a fairly irrelevant weakness in dark in that, you know, in the matchups where you're going to get it out, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and super regeneration for two psychic and one colorless energy, you heal 200 damage from Mewtwo. So if you aren't able to deal more than 200 damage consistently, then you just can't even KO it ever. Um, and even if you can, there are cards like Cook to heal it even further. And also, you have to, you know, you have to do enough damage past 200 that you're still threatening the KO, right? Right. Um, so it just gets really rough really fast. And it's not like you get a chance to swing into it early because you summon it and immediately Union gain. So you're ready to super rejuvenation the next turn. Um, the other kind of endgame strategy because obviously just healing in of itself doesn't win you a game. You know, you'll eventually deck out. The deck plays two Silene, a Team Yell's Cheer, and two Palpad. So the idea there is that you can constantly flip for Silene, get your Palpads back, and then put more Silenes in your deck. Um, and worst case scenario, you can always Team Yell's Cheer to put some more Silenes in the deck as well. Um, so just the constant like recursion and loop of these powerful cards you know, you prevent yourself from decking out. And you also have Miltank and Eveltal as alternate strategies to deal with Mew, for example, by using Cry of Destruction or just by sticking up a Miltank. Um, I remember distinctly that our friend Sean Lydon was talking with some, some other top-tier Pokemon players leading up to the event because he wanted to play the Blissey Miltank deck. He really likes those wall Pokemon. And he had asked people, can you deal with one mill tank? And they said, yeah. He asked people, okay, can you deal with two mill tank? They said, yeah. He said, can you deal with three mill tank? They said, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Sean was like, I'm going to play three mill tank in my Blissey deck. He also, I don't think he ended up doing that, but it was something that he commented on. Yeah. And this deck has up has basically infinite mill tanks because you have the two in the deck list and can always team yells cheer to shuffle more back into the deck. Right. So, you know, it achieves that strategy as well. And once you have the mill tank active, you can put on damage pressure with your twin energies, or you can just go for the Silene, like, pow pad loop. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really interesting deck. The Mewtwo, obviously very good against Palkia, because you're going to try to deplete your bench, and then Palkia is going to do a maximum of... 160 maybe 190 if they have a choice belt maybe even 210 if they are able to get out the quick shooting inteleon but at that point you're healing 200 damage every single turn it's almost impossible to beat the mewtwo as a palkia player you have the mill tanks like you said we were talking earlier about azul's deck list azul played the phoebe 
So he could attack. He played the Palpad. He could attack twice with the Pikachu VMAX. But like you mentioned, the third mill tank was the killer. And if you go back and watch the VOD, you'll see Zan uh, Sander desperately trying to find a way to recover the mill tank just so he can have a third one in play and just wasn't able to do it and ended up losing that first game and, and ultimately the match. But really, really inventive stall strategy. And what I really like about this is that it was creative, it was unique, but it wasn't a crazy deck list. Like it's a very straightforward kind of stall strategy that doesn't really involve, um, you know, a ton of one-ofs that are vital to the deck. Yeah. Um, it doesn't involve, you know, these kind of like 10 turn combos where you're like really trying to like calculate <laughs> out how you can get to an end game. It's pretty straightforward. There's a couple of main strategies. You know exactly what you need to go for in any particular matchup. And then you just kind of play the cards that are in your hand. So in terms of the complexity, if you're thinking like, man, I could never play this stall deck. I think it's very doable. You know, if I were to tell a newer player that's looking to play kind of something that is an alternate win condition, right? That's not taking six prizes. I would definitely point him to a deck like this because uh, it's very much one of those decks that sure takes a lot of thinking to perform optimally with the list but for the most part you're throwing up mill tank you're you know flipping coins with crushing hammer and you're recovering all that stuff with silene and then you get out the mewtwo v you know it's like very very straightforward in that sense so really interesting deck list and um you know i'm i'm really sad for sander because he has been very close to like kind of a, a major win. I, I believe he's been second at a couple regionals. Um, I'm trying to remember if he's gotten first. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has. And I feel like bad for not knowing that off the top of my head because he's a great deck builder and player. But, um, you know, this would have been certainly kind of the feather in his cap for all the interesting lists that he plays. Yeah, especially, you know, Stahl infamously has difficulty closing out large tournaments because the top cut rules are not favorable for stall decks and to get so close it, it's got to feel a little bit bad but it's also got to feel amazing to take it that far and represent those kind of archetypes sander has really been you know a pioneer i would say in the stall mill you know strategies in the pokemon trading card game so you know huge props to him stall is a strategy that i've always really enjoyed and been interested in JW and I actually tried to make a stall deck for NEIC and we couldn't quite come up with it. And, you know, Sander always takes it to that next level. He's the one who's finding the V Union. It's like, this is the strat uh, and takes it to that next level. So huge props to him. Awesome deck. And yeah, I totally agree with JW. If you're looking to get into these kinds of strategies, this is just like exactly what you want. It's very straightforward, but it, it works. And what else can you ask for really with a wall deck? No doubt. And really the last big winner, which we kind of touched on from this tournament, was Arceus and Teleon. Arceus and Teleon taking up three of the top eight spots at the North American International Championship. Another two more in the top 16. Three more if you count a flying Pikachu and Teleon variant. And then in the top 32, an additional, like, three or four more. So Arceus was everywhere. I think we all know what Arceus and Teleon really does at this point. Um, I, the biggest selling point for Arceus and Teleon over, say, Palkia, in my opinion, is that you can restrict your bench quite a bit and 
potentially get a leg up in the Palkia matchup by just out healing them and trading them that way. Whereas they're trying to one shot you and maybe struggling to do so. You're just always like looping and healing and, and getting your Arceus going. So in addition to all the wonderful things that Arceus Intelligent has already been capable of doing <laughs> over the course of the last two formats. Yeah. So. It's really amazing how well the Arceus deck can function with just that one Sobble on the bench and maybe another Arceus V uh, if they're going for the power up. But yeah, like you said, main strategy here now is to keep a low bench, low profile, go in with the Charon's Cares turn after turn and just heal off as much damage as you can against Palkia until you, you know, need to start wide scaling for the late game if, if you know, you need to hit those combo pieces, boss and scoop up Ned and things like that. But uh, yeah, congratulations to every player that brought um, Arceus and Teleon. Not really a deck that I was considering heading into the event not that it was necessarily bad i just felt like palkia was better and you know certainly again will be kind of the the standard bearer the torch bearer as we head into worlds as kind of like the benchmark for uh whether or not you can play a deck right because it just has like it does very few things but it does that very well yeah um and so if your deck is going to struggle against arceus and Teleon, Probably not a great play to take to, you know, local tournament or, or the world championships. Yeah, I think especially you'll see a lot of these top players gravitate towards decks like Arceus and Teleon because it gives them a large amount of agency over their games, right? Like you can always just power up your next Arceus and Charon's Care into it. Um, whereas other decks that are more combo heavy maybe don't have that same level of agency. Mm -hmm. So... Arcus Teleon, you know, I really don't think we have to hit on it too much. I think the main development for Arcus and Teleon that's that already has kind of been uh, something people have been thinking about coming out of Milwaukee is people tend to be leaning towards the two Charon's Care now as opposed to just the one because uh, that's really just a key component of the strategy now. Whereas before it was something nice that you could do to kind of offset the prizes for a turn. Now it's just like, yeah, I'm going to be Charonsing multiple times a game, three, four times, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> exactly so Arcus Talia who, do, who doesn't love it probably the person um, sitting across from it yeah me <laughs> JW are there any like other key takeaways from NAIC I think for me the other big one is that Mew continues to be a powerhouse and it's a good deck but it just doesn't seem like it has the steam at this moment in time to take home a tournament you know, it's it's struggling versus the Stahl decks. It's struggling versus the Arceus and Teleon decks. It's struggling versus Palkia. And yeah, if you high roll with Mew, you can beat anything. But it feels really reliant on hitting the high end of your deck's variance in a way that other decks are not. Yeah, it's just really tough, right? Because you have these opening turns where you're trying to get out Pokemon, but you're also you have these resources that boost your damage that you absolutely need in the late game. And there's so many of those cards in Mew that are late game damage boosters. And you even think about the energy too, right? Yeah. Like your, um, your tablets are huge. You really can't discard those in the V-Star matchups. Your um, choice belts are, you know, big and like, you just need to have targets to play them down early. Um, you know, if you play like a Leon or a Silene, like you're going to need that in the late game. And then on top of it all, you're trying to conserve your, um, your, fusion strike energy to make sure that you can hit for you know the 210 280 at the in the end of the game so there's just so many pieces that you need exactly at the right moment you're only drawing with the genesex which means that hands can get pretty clogged or you have to make really difficult decisions and 
I would agree with you, Riley, where it just doesn't feel like it has the um, it has the opportunity really to win a tournament unless things go like perfectly. It just is going to get slaughtered by all these Path of the Peak decks. I mean, you think about how easy it is for a Palkia deck to tech for Mew, right? Like in with our Palkia decks, with pretty much any Palkia player, if you ask them like, how's the Mew matchup? I think no one would say worse than 50-50, right? Because right. you just get your one of Path and your one of Roxanne, and then you hit those at the right time. And for the most part, you're trading with the Mew deck and like you just slam those down and then they either have the answer or they don't. And if they yeah, don't have the answer, you win pretty easily. So it's like a two card combo in the best <laughs> deck in the format that just shuts down Mew um, or at least gives you a, you know, a winnable matchup there. It's just hard for me seeing that this deck like is viable heading into um, heading into the world's format, which is just very interesting to say because we've been kind of hyping up Mew for the longest time um, for good reason to be sure, but just Path is so good against it, Roxanne so good against it, and it just kind of falls there in the late game against Palkia especially. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Mew is the deck that maybe has the highest high end of any deck in the format, but its peaks and valleys are just so far apart from one each other, from one another, as opposed to other decks like Mew and Arceus, which maybe have a slightly lower peak, but a much higher valley in terms of what they're going to achieve in the average game. And that just leads to a better average performance at these tournaments. And, you know, we've seen it at least in this format. I think Palkia and Roxanne being added to the format is really the final nail in Mew's coffin to take it out of that, like, top deck status it's still a great deck but it's probably one that won't take any major tournaments without an insane amount of head flips taking you there <laughs> yeah i mean i am not you know full disclosure i know we're going to get to that in the second half of the cast here but i'm just not even going to consider it for for worlds you know at this point i have seen enough of mew versus palkia in this format to just not even really you know i'll run games against it for sure and at least have a strategy against it no matter what deck i play but it just doesn't feel like a deck that is going to take it down and that's really interesting to say because i've played decks like night march to worlds in the past where i'm just like okay i'm going to play like the quote-unquote most consistent deck which i do feel like in many respects mew is but it has a hard time with these v star decks that you have to go through three or more you know high hp pokemon and you know you just don't have that many damage modifiers to do it agreed any other takeaways from naic for you jw takeaways um i think i think we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit more about that in the second half of the cast but yeah mew is kind of on a downtrend for me although heading into naic i said it was my like second choice like i think we were all the night before kind of like you know, had it in our back pocket. Um, you and was then, like in flames on the testing table the night before. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it can be deceptive, I would say. It can be <laughs> deceptive for sure. Um, and then I just, yeah, more credit to Arceus. I've only played in three tournaments this year, um, and none of them have involved Arceus. So I'm going to be putting in my time with that deck heading into Worlds for sure. All right. Well, let's take a look then before the second half at our card of the day. Absolutely. So in honor of the new set that's going to be released and in honor of the stall deck that got top four at NAIC, I wanted to highlight one of my favorite Mewtwo's 
of the past. Now there was a Mewtwo um, back back in 2015, probably when you were still living in Columbus. I'd, I'd hazard to guess uh, where you actually needed a tool in order to evolve it most effectively. Yes, that's right, the Mega Mewtwo EX. <laughs> with the Psychic Infinity attack. These Mega Mewtwo's on the cards, if you ever get a chance to look at them, Mega Mewtwo, like its head is just so large and the neck is very, very tiny <laughs> and it just doesn't look good. He's like but... a, he's like the leader, like the Hulk villain. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. He's got a gigantic head. And it likes... Yeah, absolutely. He looks just like that. Or like any cartoon character that has a giant head. Um, has a psychic infinity attack on the mega and for a couple of colorless energy does 10 damage plus 30 more damage times the amount of energy attached to both active Pokemon. So it could get really out of control. There was a card called mega turbo, which would allow players to attach an energy from their discard pile to a mega Pokemon. So these two cards in combination, obviously you're, you're getting the picture here where you're attaching a bunch of energy with the with the Mega Turbo, and then you have your Mega Mewtwo EX in the active, and you're just swinging for a ton of damage turn after turn. So Mega Mewtwo EX is my card of the day. Super fun one. I think I played with it a couple of tournaments. I don't I remember that I did particularly Mega well. Tournament. That was actually right around the time that I was starting, was when Mega Mewtwo was at its peak. Um, but you left out the best part about that card which is when you would play the shrine of memories down and damage swap. so true that was in, that was insane like that, that was <laughs> insane so the mega mewtwo has 210 hp which back the then time was insanely high was a lot of hp and yes it had a basic the mewtwo ex which for i believe two psychic and a colorless had this damage swap attack so what you would be able to do is you'd be able to take a hit or two and then if your opponent had, you know, less damage than you, you would be able to exchange the damage on your Pokemon for the damage on their Pokemon. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Being able to access the underneath attack of the Mewtwo EX was a really popular strategy considering that the Mega Mewtwo EX had such high HP. Yeah, you just uh, boss up the Shaman EX, swap over the 100 damage that you have, the 110 damage, heal to full, take two prizes. <laughs> so gas so stupid <laughs> <laughs> i hated that card so much i remember playing i th i think they were I i'm like a little bit fuzzy on this time period but i remember uh, at least i think playing a lot of vespaquin at this time yeah so I, could I, hit was, those, uh, I could hit those numbers i was really into turbo dark towards the end of that format but i also played like a lot of dark dragons Oh, uh, yeah. With the Giratina to try and, like, deal with cards like that. Yeah, for sure. Because it also played double colorless, I believe, so. It did, yeah. So, yeah, you could shut it down. You know? Also, Giratina was immune to the uh, to Megas. Oh, yeah, that also shuts it down for sure. <laughs> so you had to hex the unit attack. Uh, miss hex. No. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> Insane card. <laughs> that's a good card of the day i appreciate that so let's then talk about our friends over at manscaped folks if you're looking to link your spirit to your manly wonders down there there's no better way to do it than with manscaped that's right tag team is presented by manscaped 
and we're here to bring you some awesome deals. Manscaped is the premier brand in men's grooming. And let me tell you, JW and I can both vouch for the quality of their products as well as the efficacy. Uh, you all know week after week, I'll always plug the boxers. They're super comfy. If you all haven't got nice boxers for yourself, please do yourselves a favor and get the Manscaped boxers. They are a blessing. I love wearing them, seriously. Um, when I got the package with the Boxers 2.0, which is their new product, um, I literally wore them. We got three pairs. I wore them sequentially three days in a row uh, and then wore my previous pair of boxers the next day. <laughs> so uh, you can tell that I love this stuff. They also have awesome stuff like the Lawnmower 4.0 as well as the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. And we're just huge fans over at the Tag Team Podcast of their stuff. And the great news is if any of this sounded appealing to you, you can get a deal by using our code at checkout. JW, why don't you tell them about how they can save some money? Yeah, absolutely. That is code tag team over at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping. I just used their ultra smooth package the other day. They sent one to us very, very graciously and lathered up myself, used the uh, crop shaver and got very nice and smooth. And, uh, you know, I really appreciated that. So, you can check out all their products over at manscaped.com. Use code TAGTEAM for 20% off plus free shipping. I hate paying for shipping. You don't have to worry about that. Just check it out. Put some things in your cart. See how cheap it's going to be with our discount code. And yeah, ultimately, I think you're going to be very happy with the product. So manscaped.com, code TAGTEAM, 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, code TAGTEAM at checkout for 20% off plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the podcast. We didn't mention our records at NAIC. And I would like to say, I am proud to say, that Riley earned his world's invite over the weekend. I did. And you know what? I climbed from the pits to do that, too. You were you were angry the whole time. I you almost, were really angry. I almost dropped it one and one. riley is you're one of the saltiest dudes when it comes to playing that i've ever met where it's like (laughs) if one thing goes wrong he's like no why did why was i even born (laughs) i usually i bounce back from it pretty fast though (laughs) it's just it's funny man it's just really funny so riley had to get top 256 at this tournament i had already secured my world's invite the the week prior so that was like a load off my shoulders right like i had you know i wanted to do well for the clout obviously and we can talk about how my tournament went but riley needed to do well for the clout and talk us through your finish it wasn't particularly inspiring no but Um, talk us through your rounds just very briefly before we head on to kind of where we're thinking for for worlds testing yeah, nothing too exciting, honestly, so I won't go into too much detail. Um, but I finished a solid 5-3-1 and one to get 252nd or so. <laughs> uh, it came down to like 1% of resistance kept me in the top 256. So thank goodness for my opponents who like dropped at like 3-3 three and three as opposed to like continued losing. <laughs> because that would have been a heartbreaker if i was like 49 percent resistance instead of 50 and missed it 
Uh, yes. I think I would have jumped out my hotel window in that case. <laughs> <laughs> because to have to play, it would have been fine if I like dropped and yeah. just stopped. But to play through all that rounds and to then and then on right. resistance would have been right. really frustrating. So um, it was a really rough day. You started one and one. Yeah. So you... I started one zero, which was right. Great. Well, sure. I was feeling great. And then I hit an Arcus Intellion, and the prizes just didn't quite work out. And I uh, had, like, a really awkward draw for Roxanne. And so I went to one and one. Um, By the way, we were playing essentially our same list from Milwaukee with a 1-1 Ice Rider. We thought yes. that the Ice Rider gave us a little bit of an edge in the mirror because we could hit those 280 numbers a little bit easier with a, with a low bench. Uh, and then it also you know, potentially gives us an out to the flying Pikachu where we could Leon and choice belt do 310. And then it also gives us, um, you know, an out to Arceus, right? Where we can yeah. hit 280 number with the ice rider. Yeah. So in the first game against Arceus, I like smashed them with the, <laughs> with the ice rider. And then in the, the second game, I like draw horribly and scoop pretty early. And the third game, um, I, I draw bad off Roxanne, and he draws very well off of Roxanne. So it happens. Stuff happens. I was still feeling okay, uh, although I did claim that I wanted to drop at the time. And then round three, I completely dead drew in the mirror, and it felt horrible. And at that point, I'm ready to drop. <laughs> I play another mirror against someone who's, like, brand new to the game, super friendly guy, really enjoyed playing with him. Um but he, his pace of play wasn't all the way there, and we ended up tying. I was one turn away from winning, um, and maybe I was a little bit greedy in not scooping game one earlier, mm. but I still scooped it. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, the Ice Rider was super clutch in that series. It would have won me that series too. Um, and then I played like a mix of Mirrors and Arceus and Talions for the next four rounds. Um, that was pretty solid i would say across the board or next three i guess so i got mm. all the way up to and ice rider was essential in all of those i really enjoyed actually having the ice rider i got up to four two and one so at this point i am in contention still actually for day two after my horrible start um and then i hit the arceus malamar jolteon deck um which is not a good matchup believe it or not when you have all water pokemon i did beat that deck in Milwaukee. So I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I have a chance. Uh, game one, he gets Jolteon up before I'm able to really do anything. And I scoop on like the fourth turn, third or fourth mm -hmm. turn. Mm -hmm. Game two, I, my brain like short circuits <laughs> in that game. And I like went for a play thinking I could scoop up net the active Drizzile and evolve the benched one, Sobble. Uh, but actually, that Sobble had come down that turn. Uh, so I ended up like oh. really spurging out and like missing a knockout and yeah. I don't think it wouldn't have, I don't think it really would have mattered, <laughs> but it definitely like, it definitely did lose me that game. That <laughs> <moment>. <laughs> I probably would have lost anyway, but that action definitely lost me the game. So like it went from like maybe a 75% chance to lose to a hundred percent. Right. Right. <laughs> so like I felt really bad after that. Um, I, I almost can guarantee I would have lost that series, but I hate making mistakes. Um, and I was just like really out of it at that point, you know, I'm like yeah. how can I'm I be playing this? How can I, not only am I like tilted from round two, but of the whole tournament, 
but how the heck did I hit the Arceus Malamar Jolteon <laughs> like my on my second to last round, like playing into to win it in situation? Like yeah. how? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's fine. My opponent was also super nice and gracious. All my opponents all day were awesome. Um, and then the last round. I play against another really cool guy, but he was rocking Arceus Charizard. <laughs> so regardless of how cool he was, I felt like I was pretty solid there. Yeah. Uh, and I did end up taking that home. Um, in the end, so finishing 5-3-1, and one, came down to resistance and slid in there. Um, shout out to all my opponents who were super awesome. I did not at any point, and I never planned to do this in my career, tell anyone my CP at NAIC. Mm. Um, that's something I really don't like is when people are like, hey, I have 400 and you know, 72 CP. Can you please, you know, wrap this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I hate that kind of stuff. So I managed to get there completely on my own merit. Um, and it, it feels good. You know, it feels good to, to wrap. It's a relief. It's a relief for sure. Um, to some extent I was unsure if I wanted to go to worlds, um, you know, with, with Andrew missing and just like, I haven't been super, I kind of want to like save my PTO <laughs> to be honest, but I'm still going to be excited to go. And I'm excited to go with JW who also has wrapped up his invite as well as some of our other friends who were able to finish it at NAIC. Uh, Andrew Dankus, for example, a friend of the cast uh, was able to wrap up his invite with the top 256. So, you know, wins all around, I would say. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited for London. We got to get testing because I need to, I stand by the ice rider was good though. Like it, yeah, my opponents were like really salty that I had <laughs> in all the games yeah. that I won. Yeah, certainly. And now it's just seeing if the Ice Rider is viable in like an Irida build because yeah. I do think it gives the deck, you know, obviously that other weakness. Um, Palkia being lightning weak means that it can really just be eaten up by uh, by Pikachu's very easily, or I don't know any other like Raikou's, I guess. But Raikou's like a thing that you kind of want to see on your opponent's <laughs> side of the field, to be honest. Um, but yeah, getting in there against, against peak is, is certainly a, uh, a big consideration, but, um, just to give kind of a quick overview of how my tournament went, I went one, three, uh, drop. Well, technically I went one, four drop, but I was just playing the last, I was just playing the last round, uh, because my wife hadn't finished her errand and she was going to pick me up <laughs> on the way back. And then she called me halfway through the round. So then I just gave it to my opponent. Okay. So I was one, four drop officially but really one three but really one three <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm one four i swear <laughs> and yeah like like uh like you riley i started one and oh beat a reggie player and then i just hit pikachu pikachu right in a row and i just couldn't do anything there was a second game friend of the cast um max he was super cool um we got a picture afterwards but I just remember this opening hand. I think it, I'm pretty sure it was in game one, but I drew like literally every single tech card that wasn't an energy <laughs> yeah, or a usable supporter. So I had, you know, I start a Palkia, no energy, mind you, no energy. Um, and then I proceed to draw like my, the rest of the hand is, is two choice belt, two scoop up net, Leon. the pal pad. I don't know. I, the Leon would have been kind of cool. I think I top decked that on like turn three. <laughs> Um, pal pad, the ordinary rod, and then like an Evo incense or something, or a tool jammer. I remember cause I attached the tool jammer. Yeah. I, I remember there were three tools. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, it was just one of those days where it was like the deck just didn't quite work, even though it slammed 
over in Milwaukee. Like I felt very confident heading into this tournament based on our performance in Milwaukee. Cause I felt like I had the whole deck at my disposal. Things were running really well. And then just didn't just didn't here at, in Columbus. And that's just how it goes. So yeah, that's fine. Overall disappointed with how I did at NAIC was the deck, the right call. Um, arguably not like arguably the Arita version of Palkia is better, but I'm proud that we, you know, took a deck we believed in did as well as we could. And now we just move on to the next tournament. Um, albeit with uh, much higher stakes and shout out to Michael Zeely as well, who did make day two with the deck. Uh, ultimately he lost his final round in day two, which cost him his world's invite, uh, which is a huge heartbreaker, but, um, you know, shout out to one of our group members for at least making it to day two. Yeah, certainly. So much, uh, much higher expectations heading in the worlds. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know how you're feeling heading into this tournament, but I do want to really like, just make sure I'm dotting my T's cross my eyes and, uh, getting, you know, getting everything lined up to have a, have a deep run at worlds. Absolutely. So We've only got a, maybe a few minutes left of this episode, but I do want to make sure that we at least touch on what we expect to see changing in the coming weeks. You know, we have the Pokemon Go set coming out. Not an exceptionally large set, but there are some impactful cards that will be coming out of it. JW, what are your, some of your preliminary thoughts on Pokemon Go and its additions to the metagame? Yeah, that's a great question. I When I was thinking about Pokemon Go and the most impactful cards from the set, I was really drawn to Radiant Charizard as being a card that, if it could be figured out, could be extremely strong. And Radiant Charizard has an attack that costs 5 energy and does 250 damage and says you can't attack with this card on the next turn. Okay, whatever. That's very similar to many other um, Pokemon that they've been printing recently. But what's interesting is that it has an ability that for every prize card your opponent's taken, your the cost of your attack goes down by one. So it's a fire and four colorless, and if they take four prizes, then you can attack for a single fire doing 250 damage. So I was thinking a lot about like, okay, it is a Radiant Pokemon, so you can only play one, but then again, you know, Moltres decks, Galarian Moltres decks, we're playing, you know, one or two Galarian Moltres and recovering it with Clara and doing, you know, 220, 270 at the end of the game and saw a lot of success. So maybe you could play a Charizard where you could potentially hit 250 on, I think, probably turn three is the most realistic um, or knockout three if your opponent's taking three prizes um, where you can Raihan and then attach a twin and hit for 250 on that third prize turn and then from there on maybe it just gets a little bit easier to uh, to attack so that's kind of where my head was going initially because 250 for one energy and you can attack like do that attack twice right with uh, clara or some other recovery seems good i don't know how to break it but a strategy <laughs> like that has been done in the past so i just kind of feel like it can be done again in the future there's also some really cool, you know, all all three of the Radiants are pretty good. Yeah, the Radiant Venusaur and Blastoise also mm -hmm. pretty decent. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some other, you know, pretty impactful cards as well, though, even outside the Charizard. 
you know, I think the one that most people's eyes are on right now is that Mewtwo V-Star mm-hmm. with the Star Raid V-Star power where it does 120 damage to each of your opponent's Pokemon V. You know, just quick spread damage to make your KOs easier for the rest of the game. And it has the Psy Purge attack for a Psychic and Colorless. Discard up to three Psychic Energy from your Pokemon and does 90 for each discard in this way. Uh, you also have kind of the built-in engine if you're looking for it with the Solrock and the Lunatone. Uh, Solrock can attach a Psychic from your discard to one of your Lunatone every turn. You get a couple Solrocks in play, and you're Psy Purging now for 270 every single turn. Um, so the damage, obviously, 270 is about 10 short of you know most V-Star Pokemon that are relevant. But you slap a Choice Belt on there, you get a Zigzagoon in play, you can really do some really impressive damage. Um, so that's a card that people are looking at. The Star Raid is also pretty nice because you can set up knockouts. And the Lunatone can actually clean them up. <laughs> With the Moon Kinesis, it does 30 plus 30 more for each Psychic. Obviously, Solrock powers it up implicitly. Uh, so you can, you know, with a Choice Belt or even just enough energy, you can really clean up those Vs that have been damaged by Mewtwo. Yeah, that's a really cool combo that's a little bit spicy, but, you know, makes a lot of sense, right? It's not like you're doing any rocket science over there to come up with that deck. So Certainly not unheard of kind of combination. Right. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, could be something to watch out for. And then, of course, the other big archetype, in my opinion, that people have their eyes on from Pokemon Go is the Magikarp Gyarados Ditto deck. Uh, Ditto having that, first off, super cool mechanic where you, like, peel off the sticker and there's the Ditto underneath. That's really clever, whoever came up with that. They need a raise. They need a raise, for sure. That's really clever. Uh, Ditto has the sudden transformation ability, and it can use the attacks of any basic in your discard pile if they don't have a rule box. Uh, so kind of like a Marshadow EX, but it, or GX, but it can't copy rule boxes. And the Magikarp does 10 damage and 30 more for each Magikarp and Gyarados in your discard pile for two colorless energy. So if you're really trying to reach, you can get all eight of those in the discard pile, all four Magikarp and all four Gyarados, and do 250 base damage with the Ditto choice belt on that that's 280 right right there on a single prize pokemon so certainly an archetype that people will be thinking about is you know how do we break this magikarp strategy and plow through your opponent's pokemon v with the silly little ditto <laughs> yes that'll be very fun i mean certainly a meme deck at worst and something potentially viable though i do feel like there are probably easier ways of getting to uh, those numbers but at least it keeps but cooler the mind. Ways. Yeah, no, definitely not cooler ways, and it keeps the mind churning, you know, which uh, <laughs> in my old age I always appreciate. And I think the last big star card from this set is one that would fit extremely well into one of Sanders' decks, and that's the Snorlax. Very reminiscent yes. of the Plasma Snorlax with the block ability. As long as Snorlax is in the active spot, your opponent's active Pokemon cannot retreat. I mean... What more do you need to stay? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a problem for sure. Now, we have seen an increase in the cross switcher being played, whether it's these Turbo decks or Arita Palkia that opts for that over um, higher counts of bosses' orders. Um, we are just seeing a lot more um, item switch than we yeah. have in the past. Escape but. Switch and escape rope. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, certainly there are ways to get around that. You can Echoing Horn something undesirable uh, back into play 
bring that active. You know, as soon as you run your opponent out of a few resources, uh, it, the Snorlax seems like just the perfect kind of end game. Uh, get a couple of those up. The problem with Snorlax in a stall deck is that you're going to cut into your yeah, other Snorlax line, yeah. which is like arguably better and like just one of the best um, draw cards that you can get in that early game. But maybe there's a different way you can draw cards early, or maybe you play a split in some kind of stall deck. But yeah, that would be kind of the one downside is like, it's a really nice tool to have, but the fact that it's also a Snorlax means that you're not going to be able to Gormandize as much. And we know we love to Gormandize. Big Gormandize heads. No, super huge stands of Gormandize for sure. <laughs> so an awesome lineup of Pokemon. Obviously, you know, or, sorry. Honestly, for a mini set like this, it's a pretty impressive lineup, in my opinion, of little basic guys or, you know, just Pokemon that you could throw into your decks. Yeah, for a mini set, it's really high value in terms of competitive uh, viability. So um, look forward to this set having some kind of impact at Worlds, whether it's us or another team that plays it, I think there's a lot of cool little wrinkles that you can either sprinkle in pre-made archetypes or new archetypes that you could create yourself. Absolutely. And shout out to Dragonite V-Star for being horrible. Sad. <laughs> well, JW, I think we've covered the main points for this week. Is there anything else, any nuggets of wisdom you'd like to give to our listeners back at home? Well, we're going to be covering more in the coming weeks of what we've been testing heading into Worlds and how we're approaching this Worlds tournament. So I hope you guys will stick along with us for the ride and uh, kind of go behind the scenes at what we're what we're thinking and cooking up. We're so excited. It's the first Worlds since 2019. <laughs> I know, man. So cool. A four-day event. That's kind of crazy, actually. But. It's very crazy. So we're excited to keep you all in the loop as far as what's going on, and we hope that you all will join us on this journey. We appreciate every single one of you as well who reached out and said hello over the course of NAIC. It was awesome to meet so many of you, take pictures, sign stuff. If any of you ever see us, always feel free to say hello. Uh, we try and be approachable guys. We won't bite your head off, I swear. Even if I lost the last round, <laughs> I can put the salty away for a second to say hello. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us over on Twitter. I am at Real John Walter. Riley is at Smiles with Riles. And the Tag Team Podcast is at Tag Team Pokemon. You can also find us on Twitch where we stream every single Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Twitch.tv slash Munner. I myself also run a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous. Thank you guys all so much for listening. If you wouldn't mind leaving a review on your favorite podcasting platform, that goes a long way to helping us rise in those rankings, in the algorithm to help more and more people find this great cast. And that's what we all want is just more people enjoying the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, that would help us out a great deal. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Peace. See ya.